Hi, you've entered a world of pain, suffering, and misery. Welcome to Fear and Loathing on the Turntable. I'm your host, Matt Bergman, and for the next 38 to 69 minutes, we'll be asking this sad, carbon-based, sentient life form about songs that they think are shitty. And tonight I have with me... From Hollywood, The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson. This is Ed McMahon, along with Doc Severinsen, and the NBC Orchestra, inviting you to join Johnny and his guests, Charles Nelson Riley, Bo Derrick, Pete Powder. And uh, what's what's uh, what are you doing here? I'm here to discuss songs that I hate. Yes. Songs that I listen to regardless of that hate. Mm-hmm. Um, music that I know I shouldn't like, but music that nonetheless, if it's on, if it happens to come up on a, a streaming service or even the radio, if I'm listening to it, I'm I'm not changing the channel. Really? Okay. Interesting. Uh, what's your relationship with music? Well, uh, born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s as a child, uh, came to teenage maturity in the 90s, uh, have an older sister, so um, a lot of uh, music that I listened to was sort of a precursored from her. Um, some 80s pop, but also um, some 80s punk rock uh-huh. uh underground music uh and then sort of came of age in the early to mid 90s uh during the grunge and post grunge period sure um but you know my tastes have definitely become a lot more eclectic since then mm-hmm. but um there's still some things that you can fall back on and of course. just be like ah i remember yeah dot, yeah, yeah, dot, yeah. Dot, dot, dot. yeah yeah i think next to uh smell for me, uh, sound is the strongest uh, sense memory. Uh, what was on in the house growing up? Like, uh, what were your parents listening to before you bought your own music, uh, got your own jams? Interestingly enough, um, quite a age difference between my parents. Uh, my father was um, a uh, high school teacher, and uh, during the summers, he ran a uh, theater program. Really? And... Um, as with all sort of community theater programs, creative endeavors, it attracts uh, people who want to have a creative outlet. And that's where he met my mother, who was um, significantly, though not illegally, younger than him. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, a relationship blossomed, and uh, my sister and myself respond from that. So he came from uh, an era, you know, Born in the 30s, um, came of age, uh, originally um, grew up in the Bronx Mm -hmm. in uh, the late 40s, early 50s. Uh, Definitely evidence that he was a bit of a greaser, perhaps. Um, (laughs) I'm assuming uh, of Italian descent. Of of Uh Italian-American descent, uh, Sicilian specifically. Okay, yeah. Um, Interestingly enough, his um, 
only child, which was pretty rare back then for a uh, large post-immigrant family. Yes. But um, had a lot of cousins, a lot of family friends surrounding in the neighborhood, um, and ended up um, going off to war to fighting in Korea for the U.S. Marines. Wow. My father, a very loving, creative person, had a very, very um, hardcore past that I can only sort of conceive of. He spoke very, uh, very lovingly, uh, very detailed of his time in the service. Um, not, not so much patriotically as much as it was like, you know, I was about to go off to college and my number came up. Right. And uh, so he was drafted. He was drafted. This okay. was, uh, po- you know, Cold War era. Right. Uh, right. He promised his mother when he went down to Whitehall Street that he was <laughs> going to try to get in the Navy. Uh-huh. Because Navy, you know, you, you, you sleep indoors. Right. You're not boots on the ground. Not boots on the ground, three hot meals a day, um, and relatively clean sheets at night. Right. <laughs> Apparently at the time, uh, they just lined up all the young recruits and basically named off each branch of service as they pointed to everyone down the line. Oh, you didn't get a choice. You didn't get a choice. Oh. And he ended up in the Marines. Um, wow. Hardcore. Marines, 1st Division, um, Mortar Battalion, uh, Korea. Wow. Latter part of the war when it was a bit of a stalemate. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, would describe some pretty horrible things as if they were, as if they were like, you know, quite, quite a bit of a, quite a bit of an adventure. Right. The Korean War was the first United Nations war. Right. So it wasn't just the U.S. fighting, you know, the great red commies. Right, because World War II, it was the League of Nations, right? It was the League it of Nations. Be- it was pre-NATO and UN. It be- then became the United Nations right. and NATO. So when the U.S. went to war, they went to war with about 14 other countries on their side. Mm-hmm. And my father had an interesting story about um, uh, his battalion was attached to a unit of uh, soldiers from Turkey. Now, Turkey has been, this is less than 50 years after the fall of the Ottoman Empire. Mm -hmm. So now Turkey is an established nation, but Turkey is kind of a watershed nation. A lot of invasions, a lot of changes of borders, a lot of of different languages and, and experiences, but the Turkish people apparently are very loving very, um, you know, they have that ancient idea of courtesy, of, right. of you know, welcoming strangers into their home, but you do, you do not want to fight against them. No. And um, the NATO and the United Nations, although they subscribe to the uh, Geneva Convention rules of the treatment of um, enemy combatants, right? Um, the Turks found a way to sort of just kind circumnavigate of that. circumnavigate that. Circumnavigate <laughs> that. Yeah. And one time when he had to go to a, um, uh, you know, he had to run a message between his command and the Turkish commander, and he ends up in a sandbag bunker, um, you know, and on all three sides of the wall, um, he notices a bunch of human ears nailed to the wall. Yeah. Because apparently the Turks... That'll learn them. Apparently early that day, the Turks had uh, encountered the North Koreans. And, uh, you know, had a bit of a skirmish, took some casualties, gave some casualties, but never seemed to come back with any prisoners of war. Mm-hmm. Never, never confirmed the reason why, but also never asked the reason why. Right. But beyond that, 
he grew up, you know, came back to New York, got his degree, became a teacher, um, was always into theater. Got what, his, what was he teaching? He taught English and history. Okay. But he also uh, had an MFA in uh, theater. And um, so during the summers, ran a theater program, met my mother through that eventually. But um, he had a great love of classic music. He um, was uh, Beethoven, Mozart, Rossini. And so classic music was always playing in the household. And was he listening to the radio or did he buy records and... He had vinyl. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had vinyl. Of so some... he was making a choice of which symphony, which rhapsody. Absolutely. He was listening to classic recordings, um, which my mother, even though she was in her late teens, early twenties, um, had an appreciation for the classics because she went to school to study English, and got into Shakespeare, and so from that they discovered that hey, you know that. I'm going to throw this record on. What do you think of this? Like, wow, I'm into this too. And so that's kind of one of, music was not the only thing they bonded over, but definitely one of the significant factors. Nice. They bonded over. Um, it was an activity that went on in the house. It was an activity that went on in the household. At the dinner table, um, anything from a concerto to uh, an old jazz record mm -hmm. would play. But my mother, also being a child of the 60s, um, born and raised in Brooklyn, um, supposedly from what I've heard, although this is more rumor than fact, um, among the many young people, young females, who greeted the Beatles as they uh, descended from their Pan Am charter flight. Nice. In, uh, was it uh, JFK? At the Is that time. right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. But yeah, that sounds right. And she was, and that was that landing. She was, was one of the many screaming hordes. <laughs> she was. She was <laughs> a, a adolescent uh, teenager, about to become teenager at the time, and um, it was also happened to fall on her birthday. Nice. Cut out of school, got subsequently in trouble for that and was not allowed to um, leave the house for a week, which I believe was the one thing that prevented her from seeing them on Sullivan Live. Uh-huh. Again, more rumor than fact, but... <laughs> sure. She also... The rumors are always more fun. The rumors are always more fun because there's that what could have been and what actually was, mm -hmm. and it leaves a lot to the imagination. She also um, got, again, being, you know, becoming... A young woman in the late 60s, early 70s, she had uh, a bit of a vinyl um, collection that uh, every once in a while she would play for us. Usually when my father wasn't around. Not that he didn't like that music, <laughs> but that was her music. Right. And I was very much like that, too. My older sister used to play music at full volume in her room, and I always used headphones. Uh -huh. Even though we listened to a lot of the same things because a lot of that influence made its way across the hall. But what was mom listening to? What were her records? Um, she had uh, early Hendrix. Nice. Uh, she loved Janis Joplin. Nice. Um, a little bit of a flower child. Little bit of a flower child, even though she did have that sort of balance between Catholic schoolgirl and hippie, mm -hmm. the, the sacred and the profane, mm -hmm. as it were. Well, they go hand in hand. They do go hand in hand. They My are, mom was very much the same way. <laughs> they are two sides of the same coin. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, she apparently um, at Fillmore East, one of those old New York venues that is no longer around, um, apparently got to see at least 
one of those, either Hendrix or Joplin. Wow. When she was 19, 20 years old. Wow. So um, she... Yeah, the Fillmore East, man. There were a lot of great shows there. That's that's what I've been told. And, and yeah. you can Google it and just see the lineup and be like, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. Yep. Love them. Yep. You know, not my generation, but... Right. Definitely has influenced some of the things I've listened right, to. Right, 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 right. So, you know, so that combination was a interesting uh, atmosphere to grow up in. And then your sister being older was, was blasting shit across the hall. What was she listening to? She would listen to everything from the Go-Go's to Madonna. Um, but she also, as she got older, some, some, some hardcore punk rock. Mm-hmm. Worked its way in there. You like my bands. Well, that's how I discovered um, early Bad Religion. Nice. Um, Black Flag. Nice. Which she, I think, may have passed across the hall because she didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was either on cassette or seven-inch vinyl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get my first CD till possibly the late '80s, early '90s. What was your first CD? My first CD was probably either. Nine Inch Nails Pretty Hate Machine. Yeah, that's a good one. Or um, uh, Straight Outta Compton by N.W.A. That's also a really good, that's a strong start there. Which may have been yeah. stolen from my sister. Right, right, and right. And even to this day, she probably, you know, you know, doesn't know where it is. Did but, you have any concept of, like, like Straight Outta Compton? Like, did you have any concept of what they were talking about? It was, well, it was watershed for me because I definitely was into early hip-hop because I knew it was, it was very sanitized, in a sense, when it came to, you know, suburban, semi-suburban white America. But it was still, you could still hear, like, early stuff like I, I remember somehow getting attaining a, a Grandmaster Flash mixtape oh, yeah. original bootleg yeah. right. and in some of those some of those cuts he does on the turntable still to this day will buckle my knees and floor me yeah, yeah. like I can't believe he did that and he did that 40 years ago that in, uh, what 77 oh. 76 something like that yeah early early really on. early yeah but back, it, back when the Bronx was burning yeah and then along comes Run DMC. Yeah. And Run DMC was was like this. This was different because it what it wasn't just it wasn't just party music. It was party music, but it, they could also evolve into like there was a little bit of social commentary. There was a yeah. little bit of the neighborhood. There. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. So. Totally. And then along came the Beastie Boys. Oh yeah. And which which spoke to us because we were white, yeah. And I mean, for me, that might have been my my transition into hip hop. I was like, wait a minute, it, it was this for is a lot of really us. good, yeah. And it was kind of a a reverse Jackie Robinson moment when you think about it because I like that yeah the more and more I and I can't take credit for that because I definitely saw that in an interview with with some you know some some old hip older hip hop elder who basically said that early on uh, when you know because their first their first tour I think they toured with Madonna as an opening act correct um, so as then, a hip hop act, as a hip hop, because they were punk before that. They definitely were. They definitely made that transition. And then their next tour, 
when I heard that they, I forgot who they were opening for, but it was some serious hip-hop acts. Talking about the Paul's Boutique era. That's when they really got their sound. That first record... You know, no one cares. No one cares what these Americans think about the music, about the art. What do they know? I'd rather smoke a cigarette and listen to bad jazz than this podcast. This is stupid. Why am I involved? I have no idea. Oh, Zutilar, they are back. No, the reason they hired him was... uh, he showed up in a caftan with a shaved head, and he had his own PA. That's how, that's how he got the gig. <laughs> he brought something to the band that they didn't have before, so they're like, Yeah, ah, equipment. Okay. Yeah. Equipment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get to some hate music, huh? Oh, it was inevitable. So uh, first up here, we're going to go to Oasis Wonderwall. Off the album, What's the Story, Morning Glory, uh, 1995, written by Noel Gallagher. (sighs) He and his brother were in this band, I believe, and uh, they fought infamously. Infamously, very publicly. Yeah. um, Talked shit about each other. Yeah, they were dicks. They, but what bothered me about it was the fact that it seemed very contrived. And not to say I didn't like Oasis for other bits of work, mm-hmm. but this song was so huge yeah, and so seemingly scripted and contrived and was played everywhere yes. on radio. It was huge. It was huge. Yep. And when you break down the lyrics, it's like, I, I, I still don't get what you're getting at. Okay. Well, we have the lyrics here. <laughs> And we have a picture of these, you know, assholes. Boy. So here we go. But I was listening to this the other night, and uh, this may fall under the uh, category of psychologically irresponsible lyric writing. <laughs> it, it's codependent, right? Yeah. You're going to be the one that saves me. Well, well, why can't you save yourself? Right. Get, get some therapy. Put the fucking booze down. Get it together, asshole. All right, let's listen to it. Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you. By now, what's going you on there? Somehow realize what you gotta do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way it's I It's very do. John Lennon. It very like could you could you could you subtly rip him off any less? But but not as cool. Right. Here's the, the George Martin strings coming yep. in. I mean, it's undeniable. It's a Beatles clone. Yeah. Okay. All right. We get it. It's a little whiny. It is. It is. And just the video itself, too. You have to understand, grew, growing, growing up in the age when MTV played music mm-hmm. and was really sort of at the peak of their music video top 10 hot 100 and to see this video okay it's in black and white it's in a nondescript location and each of them really look like they could care less being there (laughs) but at the same time you can almost trace the wiring that's holding them up right 
It's not bad music, though. Right. It's 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 a good craft. It's good harmony and melody, but it is derivative. Yes. Very derivative of the Beatles. Right. The Oasis could have been the greatest Beatles cover band ever <laughs> had they decided to take that route. <laughs> That door in the back that no one uses just got opened. That's what she said. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. But it's interesting because I don't hate this. I don't hate it either. But I I don't like it enough to own it. I don't know if I ever owned this or not at the time. Do you remember Columbia House? Yeah. Well, yeah. You're going back to the 80s now. 12 CDs for a a penny. (laughs) And this might have been one of the, well, I got to choose something this month. Right, okay, I guess I'll get this. Yeah. Yeah. Despite what I thought about it then and what I still think about it now. My God. If it it happens to come up on, you know, I subscribe to, you know, Pandora and Mm -hmm. Spotify. Sure. And sometimes to put all the music out there that they can... They will throw something in that it's like, no, no, this this isn't part of my choices. What made you think this is what I want to hear? Well, those are algorithms, yeah, and yeah. I, 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 I I shun that stuff because yeah. uh, I'm still an asshole that like puts on records because I'm going to decide to listen to this record, right, and do this. But um, there's, there's something about <laughs> that, like algorithm that predicts <laughs> what that I hate, <laughs> right? You know, like don't tell me, right? And if you're gonna tell me, tell me why. Right. <laughs> That's the thing. You're talking. Then you're talking to a wall. Yeah. You're talking I, to a computer. I put a Ramones channel on. Why are you throwing in a Mumford and Sons song? It's, it's based on others. You know, it's like when you, you go on Amazon, like customers also watched. You know, it's 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 that whole shit. You know. Yeah. If you like this, you might like this. But there's something psychologically irresponsible about that lyric writing, you know. Yeah. You're going to be the one that saves me. Well, no, no, listen. If you if if you have problems, you need to save yourself. Yeah. You know, your 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 significant other or your brother is not going to save you. Mm. That's fucking bullshit. Yeah. So that's psychologically irresponsible lyric writing. And yes, and okay, I grew up with a sister and I know there is that sort of bond between siblings in general. Sure. That defies, you know, it's like w- they may not get along, but when it comes to, like, the clutch situation, you're, you're birthed of the same ovaries, you, you know, right. you will you You're going to be together. there. Yeah. And I got your back. At, at that time, the, uh, the Gallagher brothers publicly despised each other, but you could tell that it was like, yeah, in a scrum, they'll both turn on you. But yeah, but also that feels contrived because it feels like the the yes. the, the kinks, right? Where those guys were like getting in fist fights on stage, and it's like, really, are you guys just an amalgamation of the kinks and the Beatles? Like, right. it's oh also it's also stereotypical and 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 uh, contrived. I it di- is. I didn't even. I made the Beatles connection. I didn't make the Kinks connection. Oh yeah. Well, they're British. <laughs> some things and borrowed some things and 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 made them different made them better made them worse right <laughs> they took american music and they and they threw it back at us and reminded us what it was yeah but when you hear something like this it's like oh it's so infuriating yeah because they're trying to redo something they're trying to cover something that's already been done yeah it's derivative and they yeah. and they 
they got away with it for a long time. They did. MTV Music Awards, need I say more? No, 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 no. All right, so next up, uh, we're going to the White Stripes. All right. Seven Nation Army. Ah. The album is Elephant uh, from 2003, written by Jack White, of course, because he's an asshole. <laughs> I heard that, uh, you know, he, 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 he slept with his, this is his retarded sister. Is that really his sister? Or I'm going to say yes for the sake of entertainment. Uh, and they have a retarded child with no limbs <laughs> that they have sex with. No, none of that is true. <laughs> none of that is true. Uh, so this is interesting because you chose a song that I kind of like, mm. and I'm interested to hear why you don't like it. All right. So uh, here we go with uh, The White Stripes. I remember listening to this the other night and thinking... This would be better with Tom Waits style vocals. That's very interesting. Yeah. Turn it up a little bit. That's good. It's I, well musically, yeah. I, I think I'm focusing more on the lyrics. Okay. What about it? Well, this album. I definitely owned, and not. We're talking post Columbia House days. Right. We're talking. I went out. And you I went bought, and bought it. I bought sure. this album. It was a big album. And I may have bought it because this song was so big again on MTV at the time. But the. But I I also heard samples from this album in some form, and was like, yeah, a lot of riff based. Mm -hmm. uh, lyrics that were very, very earthy. Mm -hmm. Very, like, just digging a hole and burying something in it. Um, but the vocals here are kind of wimpy. They are. That's the thing. It's a departure from the rest of the album. The rest of the album, he's he's trying to recapture an old blues sound. Yeah. But he's doing it, unlike the previous song that I hate, he's not trying to copy. He's just sort of... You can hear the influence, and he's paying tribute to it. But with this, it's like, all right, you're trying to do something different, but it's just, it's falling short. But it's not that different. It's also derivative. It, yeah, yeah. It's and, very it's very Led Zeppelin. It's very blues. Yeah. But it's not, Led Zeppelin was heavy. It wasn't heavy metal, but it, it had some weight to it. In this iteration of the band they just both seemed like and even though there was that rumor that their brother and sister their boyfriend and girlfriend their brother and sister who act like boyfriend and girlfriend there just seemed something very uniform about them and again going back to my original part of the earlier conversation yeah every genre of music has its uniform but their uniform just seemed again they got the red shirts on and right if you're a fan of the original Star Trek, the red shirts don't last that long. <laughs> There's something yes, very right. sacrificial about hey, them. Hey, Scotty wore a red uniform and he survived. He didn't beam down to the planet as right. often. Right, he was the beamer. He was the beamer. Not the beamy. He was the beamer or he went to the Jeffreys tube. But this just seemed like they, they looked like they did not get along, much like the Gallagher brothers. But again, that rift 
supposed between them seemed very, very like there's a script. Mm -hmm. This is what we're trying to portray. Meanwhile, you can see them in the, I could picture them in the studio really working hard on this. Right. But being like, well, you know, we got to be appealing in this nihilistic way. Her drumming just sounds like, and I have, I have nieces. I have an eldest niece who's in band and I've been to her recitals and it sounds like she 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 plays clarinet, mm-hmm. but the drumming in this track sounds like it could have been done by a twelve-year-old. <laughs> like literally, drumming one hundred and one. Agreed. She's not. Uh, she's not a great drummer. Yeah, she's not. But Jack White, unlike taking the lead in this song, musically, and he can do that. He reclines into her drumming. You think so? I th- I think so from my perspective, and it becomes like I don't know about her, but Jack, I know you're better than this, and you play your your sound goes according to her monolithic sort of mm-hmm. sort of beat, Neanderthal yeah sort of drumming. Because yeah. there's so much more in this album that is so much more explosive than this, right? Right. And I like this album, but every time I hit this, it was it was like driving on a smooth road and then just hitting a pothole out of nowhere. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Have you heard The Dead Weather? I've heard of them. I'm not sure I've heard them. That's uh, Jack White and uh, Allison yeah, Mosshart. Okay, yes. Okay, yes. Sorry. Let me retract that. I ha- Yeah, that came, that came a little bit later after this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, you've... I, uh, he is, he does have it. There's something about him that's oh, yeah. very distinct. Oh, yeah. No, he's got feel. Yeah. He, he knows how to play. He knows how to produce. He knows how to arrange. But, uh, and, and I don't hate this song, but there was something lacking uh, about it for me, and, mm. and it was vocally. Mm. Like, I, 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 was, I was listening to this song and looking at the lyrics going, if you sang it like Tom Waits, it would be better. But at the same time... You could sing, you could sing the ingredients, the ingredients label of a cereal box like Tom Waits, <laughs> and it would just, it would just tear at your heart, right? Well, or yeah. make you want to eat it, right? Because Tom Waits is all feel. Yeah. Tom, Tom Waits is all feel. Yeah, yeah. He, no one sounds like him, and interestingly, that's enough, not true. Really, Captain Beefheart. Okay, no one... Louis Armstrong. Okay. And this is the argument about those three. People are... You know, no one cares. No one cares what these Americans think about the music, about the art. What do they know? Mm. So... Uh, stuff. Yeah. I'd rather smoke a cigarette and listen to bad jazz than this podcast. You, you could take a uh, Rage Against the Machine song and make it sound like a lounge act. Yes. And if it's a good song. Right. It works. Yeah. Right. And that's that's good songwriting yeah. uh, there. That's, that's what that's about. So what I think bothers me, getting back to this song, I think what bothers me most about it is compared to the rest of the album, this was the single. This was the song that got the most play yes. of this album. And it really is... In my opinion, musically and lyrically, the dud of that album. There's right, some other right. songs on that album that absolutely will floor you. And um, 
you, you know, you can hear the influence and you can hear the energy. But in this song, it's like, okay, this is the one we're releasing to sell. Because I think this was definitely had to have been released before the album came so, out. So you think that they wrote this with it uh, being a single in mind? Duh. Sometimes, sometimes the one that you're gonna discard becomes the the tip of the spear. I know. And I think that was the case with this one. Again, in my opinion, but compared to the rest of the album, like there's so much better on this album. But then again, maybe I was thinking. Maybe the rest of the album isn't as consumer friendly because this thing sold like sold like crazy. This one was Yeah, this but it's it's not it's not Shut up, shut up, shut up. I there. Yeah. <laughs> Next up. Indina Menzel. Let it go. <laughs> From the Frozen soundtrack, uh, 2013. Written by Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. Um, here's the lyric sheet. Here's the uh, the photo I printed. She had a boob slip. <laughs> There's a very personal reason why I dislike this song. Okay. Hit and me. that is because when this movie came out, it was huge. It was, yeah. It was not just huge as a Disney movie, as a Pixar movie. It was big on so many levels. Um, it was a very, um, it, it definitely leaned towards feminism, young feminism, which cool. is something I support. I have, I have nieces who are young women. I was raised in a, in, a, in a household of an older sister and a very strong feminist mother. So I've always had a respect and appreciation. Sure. But the thing about this was that it was huge immediately. And on social media, so this is 2013, on all forms of social media, mm. it was, there was memes, there was GIFs, GIFs, whatever you want to refer to them as. Uh, there, was the, there was the video, there was the movie, there was everything about this was huge. And I managed to keep my head down and dodge it <laughs> for about a year yeah i managed to avoid hearing this song regardless of the repostings and the sharing of it i managed to avoid this song in all of its forms mm -hmm. for about a year mm -hmm. and i knew it was huge i knew it was big and um on top of that not just musically it changed uh, kids' birthday parties forever. <laughs> Again, I have two nieces. No, I know. I I, I get it. I don't. I didn't know this song very well, but yeah. I get the references you're making. And and they they had friends, mm -hmm. so there was always that. Oh, you're the cool uncle. Go you know go to the birthday party. Mm -hmm. Go you know it's like you're you're gonna be there, and um and so many kids were dressed up as Elsa. Mm -hmm. The, the good thing about it is that it crossed all borders of ethnicity. It was, a, it was, it was kids. kids. It was about children. children. It was about Disney. Disney. It was about young females yeah. to, to begin with. That, in a positive way. In a positive way. Yeah. Okay. Two sisters okay, who didn't exactly 
have the best dynamic between each other. Oh, this yeah. is the story. This is the story behind Frozen. In the, in the movie. In Go the movie, on. which again, I avoided. But the song <laughs> itself, I managed to avoid. And whenever it started on the radio, I, I happened to, I didn't switch. I just happened to not be around. Right. And finally, when I did hear it, when I, I, I went on YouTube and I just, I was like, I'm going to give in to this. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to sink. You're, you're going to submit. I'm going to be thrown into the Sarlacc pit. You're going to bend over. I'm, I'm, it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm ready. I'm going to take deep breaths and, you know, yes. do this, I don't know, do this, think about something else. Mm-hmm. And I heard it. <laughs> Find a happy place. Find a happy place regardless of the friction. <laughs> and I heard it and I was... It's a song that sounded mediocre at best. Mm-hmm. And we all grew up with some form of Disney in our lives, regardless of whether we rebelled against it or not. Right. It, and you can't escape. You can't escape it. In American culture. It. It's like trying to escape oxygen. It's, you're going you're gonna to breathe it in, right. even though most of our atmosphere is nitrogen. Right. And I heard this song, and I'm like, and I gave myself to it. I'm like, I'm ready for this. It came out in the fall of 2013, and by the fall of 2014, I'm like, I'm ready for this. I'm strapped in, ready to go. And I heard it, and I'm like, what seriously is the big deal? Lyrically, it's, there's, there's... Well, you're not a child. I know, but it wasn't just so, the children. Okay. It was the parents. It was, no, you're right. You're right. There were people uh, that I worked with that yeah. were like, oh my God, this song. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of songs from The Lion King yeah, right. that, you know, that we can still like because we were kids when it came out. And The Lion King was something cool about it. And right. I, I kind of right. like that movie. Right. But as adults, I'd be like, oh, all right, that's nostalgic, but I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm not going to be aghast by it. But this... <laughs> This movie and this song in particular really, really crossed age, gender. Um, correct. Yes. In so there were, there, in, there in was so something way. about it. You're correct. Yeah. There was something about it that was very pervasive yeah. throughout uh, American culture. And it just, I and when I heard it for the first time, I didn't get it. I still am like, this is as good as any Disney song that came out, but why is this one flying 35,000 feet higher? All right, well, let's hear it and find out. I guess we got to do it. Let's explore it. It's got a very, um, remember the Hulk closing theme <laughs> yeah. from Lonely Man? It's got that sort of sentiment to it. It's so dramatic. And Idina Menzel has pipes. Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing, but she's singing like... She's also got a nice set of tits. Yeah. I mean, look, it's popping out. There, there, There's a big right arrow pointing at them. But this could be a show tune. Oh, it is a show tune. This could be... This is a soundtrack to a movie, yeah. so it's akin to a show tune. Yeah. It is. This could be a cool episode of Glee. This could be, yes, you know, a chorus line. If you think Glee is cool. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the magnitude, oh, the magnitude of it still does not make sense to me. When I saw the video for it, which was taken from the movie, I'm like, all right, to complete the picture, I have to see the rest of the movie. 
and it, it didn't do anything to capture <laughs> it me. It didn't improve, improve yeah. it. Okay. I was willing to accept that now I get it moment, and I still... Well, I mean, that that that's my general feel about this. Like, this is an accompaniment to a visual. So yeah. it's, it's... If you take it out of context, yeah. it's not that great. Oh. Reprise. It doesn't let up. Now it's all dance music. It's... it's, it's, it's. And maybe I... Maybe the... What inspires the anger behind this is not the song itself, but the, the, how big it was. Mm-hmm. How influential on culture at that time. So you're angered by the fact that this was so huge and musically it's so little yeah it 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 got away with talking about how big its dick was without having to prove it <laughs> yes and all right and those those who fell under the spell bought it but but you hate it because it became so invasive right it became In so invasive culture. it spread like a fire that could that had no reason <laughs> like no one called 911 and the whole neighborhood burned down right right and it was it was literally just a it was a trash can fire that people <laughs> let destroy 10 square blocks but more on, than that on broadway i would give this a standing ovation if i went to go see it well but if You'd I accept it. If I saw it the second time, I'd, be I'd like, accept it. Eh, yeah. it. It went the way I expected. Right, right. right. Even if it was two dimensional, it had more than one dimension. <laughs> this literally is a facade flat. that you could elbow by accident and punch a huge <laughs> hole into. Yes. I can't. I can't. But yeah. how big it got and how widespread it got. And again, like, that's the problem, yeah, right? The effect of it has worn off over time in the past five years. But for a while, whether you went to Toys R Us or Family Dollar, (laughs) there was something from this movie there. Yes. And it was pretty invasive. It was huge. All right. (laughs) Moving on. Okay. We're going to Radiohead, Mm. interestingly enough. Uh, Creep. The album is uh, Pablo Honey from 1992. Written by, well, the band, basically. The whole guy, these guys. Now, I, I don't hate Radiohead. I actually like them. I I have compared them to our Beatles. And I would go with that. And here's why this was a tough choice for me. This is not my favorite song by them. Yeah. But I don't hate it. So I'm interested to hear why you hate it. When it first came out, I probably, one of the handful of CDs I still own is um, Pablo Honey and the Benz by Radiohead. I am a fan of Radiohead. Mm. Some of their other stuff got a little bit more out there experimentally, but they've managed to reel it back over time. But this song might be on my hate list for the sole fact that it was so big it got overplayed. So this is a frequency hate. This is a frequency hate. Yeah. It has an amazing sound and amazing lyrics to it. And I do genuinely like Radiohead, but this song got played so much 
that when I hear it now, it's like it doesn't do it doesn't do the See, same for me as it did when it this first came one out. I don't remember being overplayed. I remember the one uh, dun, dun, dee, da, dun, dun, da, dun, da, dun, da, 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 what was that uh, one? Um, uh, uh, it was off OK Computer, I think. Yeah. Um, this is before OK Computer. Yeah. This is before they were huge. OK Computer is when they started to depart from like, okay, you guys aren't Radiohead anymore. You're trying to, you're trying to do some, some, some Bowie shit. Right. Eventually, you shave something down until it's neutered, and and this song <laughs> over time has become neutered to me. Well, let's hear it. All right. Ah. <laughs> and I remember. I remember one of the things about this song that always stays with me whenever I hear it is there was someone did an interview with Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, from Red Hot sure. Chili Peppers yeah. about this and he said he was blown away by the song because to him it had the best guitar sound like the first time I heard this song I was probably blown away by it but by the 500th, 700,000th time, it was just like, all right, I'll listen to this because nothing else is on. Listen to that. Oh. It's good, but over time, it doesn't have... No. It doesn't have the potency that it did. Anything repeated enough yes. loses its uh, heart on Anything, but some things will be like, all right, I can hear that anytime, and I will right. still go with it. But right. this is one of those unfortunate victims for me. <laughs> why do I? Why do I probably love something that you despise, and vice versa? Right. Or, There's no rhyme or reason to it. Not even that. Why is there something that I'm into that you might not hate, but you don't understand? Right. It just sometimes... Like, I don't want to shut it off, but I wouldn't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes there's that I don't hate it, but I don't see what it is about it. Right, right. You know, and sometimes it can be so much worse than something that you hate. Because something that you hate, at least there's a energy involved it might be negative energy right but it's a proactive energy so here we are at Michael's most hated song modest mouse float on from the album good news for people who love bad news from 2004 i like that title i'm not so sure i like this song the title itself should be an indicator be of what's coming next because it's ironic it's uh -huh. an ironic title okay and unlike creep by radiohead which i had a love for and an eventual hatred by oversaturation for right modest mouse i never liked you i never got along with you and here's why because at the time it came out they had a unique sound and they had a unique look, but both bothered me. This, well, this is the unique look. That that that's actually pretty. That's pretty tame compared to the way they looked in their early videos. Okay, their early videos they looked like they were some sort of jug band. 
<laughs> well, I don't have a problem with that. I, okay. Unless you don't sound like a jug band. Right. Yeah. But the sound that they established, now we're talking 2004, 2005 here, the sound that they established, mm -hmm. I think gave birth to so many hipst eventual hipster bands mm -hmm. that... Um, such as well you know the you you can give you can give a nod to the shins maybe a little bit okay but the music that came out of that eventually went on to become to replace like let's say the pop punk of that era uh -huh. with this very sort of mediocre musically intrinsic but but flat sound <laughs> That okay. bothered me, and I think this was the this was as the universe was born of a theoretical Big Bang. This mm. was the Big Bang of, of of all the hipster music that came after it. Okay, and much like that music, like I heard a lot of it. I ended up listening to a lot of it, but in a hating way. Like right. like right. I hate fuck that music. Right, right. <laughs> and and that's very much the sentiment behind this. Like, if you actually actively listen to songs because you hate them in order to hate them more not i heard it the first time i didn't like it and never heard it again right these are all songs that i've heard multiple times yeah whether i liked it or not whether right. i changed it or not and just like sometimes you just got to be like why did i do that again without knowing anything about this band uh right off the bat i had a problem with the name of the band okay Right, there's the old macho thing. Are you a man or are you a mouse? So they've decided that they're a mouse. Hmm. Not only have they decided that they're a mouse, but they're a modest mouse. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? It's the ultimate... I mean, are mice are... Uh, is there such a thing? What does that mean? It, it's, a, it's an ironic self-depreciation that... You don't want... You want to grab them by lapels and be like, you're better than this. You're so angry right now. <laughs> you're getting away with this yeah you're getting right. laid because of this right they were because that that, that you know sort of sensitive uh shithead yeah. you know band guy was popular back then yeah these guys were getting laid they were getting laid by being faux sensitive interesting i think that they were doing it as a means to an end insincere sensitivity right I'm not really this genius. I'm not this emo. <laughs> but I want you to think about it because right. you'll get closer to me. Right. And yeah. then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call you back. I'm not actually gonna slip my wrists, yeah. but I'll be just as much of a pain in the ass in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, our time together really meant nothing and I'm not gonna call you back. Right. But you're not gonna realize that until you just text me again and again and again. And realize I'm not going to answer you back. Ghost. Yeah. They're going to get ghosted by this band. Yeah. But yeah. the the irony behind being a modest mouse, behind their look, behind their lyrics, it's so like... It's irritating. It's it's irritating. Yeah. And maybe it's a I'm little... I'm getting more irritated as you talk about it. Maybe yeah. it's a little bit of jealousy because it's like, you know, not growing up exactly, you know, in a torn between a masculine or a feminine world, but just kind of like growing up and taking the path I did... There are times when it's just like, all right, being a little bit more sensitive works. Right. Being a little bit more aggressive works. But yeah, you need to have both. You need I to think have so. both. Yeah. There, there needs to be some That's harmony healthy. between that. Right. But, but this fake version of it, 
of the most like right. oh, I'm yeah. I'm really a sensitive person. You got to get to know me. It's a trap, and right. just they actually rape squirrels in their basement. I, I would I would any okay if I happen to hang out with these guys at a party, <laughs> and a female friend of mine who I actually cared about in a platonic fashion fancied any of them, I'd be like, no, no, don't, no. don't, right? No, I don't care. Oh, he, I don't care. It's how, gonna go somewhere really dark, yeah. man. Don't I don't do it. care how sensitive he, <laughs> no, he's a jerk. Right. I can smell the douchiness off of him. <laughs> don't, any one of them, I'm not naming s- a specific member. smell the douchiness off the record yeah. sleeve. Yeah, oh my God. I don't care what he said to you. <laughs> I don't care what he said to you. He didn't mean it. And I care about you as a friend. Maybe I might have had a crush on you at one point or another, but I care enough about you to be like, you've got to avoid this. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> I hate this already hate- as, as a production. Like, that guitar is annoying. As someone who is definitely more musically and production inclined, what it, like, you're it's probably annoying. hearing things way more intricately than I am. This is annoying. These vocals. You know that this guy's actual voice doesn't sound like this. He's clenching his sphincter yeah. to make his voice sound this way. It's a... Yeah. He's like... But no one's noticing because he's probably taller than usual, so that hunch in his posture to clench his asshole that tightly isn't noticed. <laughs> This is irritating. This isn't this isn't blowing me back. This isn't changing the part in my hair. No. It's like you want to dope slap the guy. Right. Snap out of it. Like, Come on. This is just the the friend at the party at the show who's just going on and on and on about himself. The one upper. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what you try to help them with. The narcissist. Yeah. Me. Very, very Me, 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 me. Me, me, me. That was pretty bad. Yeah. That that one, when it first came out, I had... Like, I, I you know, we, we got to talking and I stopped hearing it. Yeah. Like it was that pedestrian. It was that non-eventful. Who cares? We had to talk about ODB to save ourselves. Right. That's a good point. Because we weren't going to get to the end of that without turning on each other, turning on ourselves. <laughs> and when it first came out, it was, it was big. It was notable. And people who, who I knew, who I thought knew good music, understood it, were enthralled by this song. And really? Yeah. They were wrong. They were wrong. Thank Stop you. Stop being friends with them. Thank you. Uh, I'm, some of them I've distanced myself with. <laughs> Joking, of course, but. Well, I, to, to me, it was, it was like, yeah, if called that, upon. That can be a telltale sign. Yeah. Like, if you listen to shit music, I can't hang out with yeah. you. But no. we, we all have those things that are shit music. Yes. That we'll listen to that might be our shit music. That's the guilty pleasure. But we're not going to be like, no, you got to listen to this. This is good. Right. This is we, good. We, we, we recognize it as bad. Yeah. And we move on from that going, I like this. Yeah. Fuck you. And yeah. you know what? I don't need you to like this. Right. And I understand if you don't like this or you don't like me because of this. But this is mine. So this used to be yours. And then you decided it wasn't. You two's with or without you. 
it was a song you liked this at some point i i was a fan of you two growing up mm-hmm. um i still have um and oh god i think it was a it was a youtube bootleg on cassette live from red rocks you know they did a concert out in uh, colorado red rock okay. amphitheater back in 1982 okay. and it was like before they got big but they were known and it was pretty huge topically at the time when they went socially com- socially conscious yeah yeah you know they they talked about a lot of things that you might see in the news but that you could also be like hmm this might be one of the things wrong or right with the world today. No, they definitely brought the whole Irish conflict to a global yeah. uh, presence yeah. before the internet. And, and, they tra- and that's huge. Yeah, and they yeah. transcended yes. music in many f- ways. And, and you can say that they were a little pompous and they were a little bit caught Not up back themselves. then, though. You know, that's before Bono became Bono. Yeah. You know, yeah. the giant piece of shit that he is. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know that's that's Matt 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 uh, Stone and Trey Parker saying that, not me. Yeah, well, you know they're 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 not wrong. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. Yeah. I, they, he, he became a giant pretentious piece of shit. Yeah. But you know, and and I have a problem with this band because the Edge to me is the laziest guitar player on earth. <laughs> He just plays a few notes and then puts delay on, and it's like, and it's like it sounds bigger than. But take, give that guy an acoustic. You never see U two unplugged. <laughs> Let's just say that you, that never happens. Yeah, yeah, and they because it won't work. They are smart enough to know that they couldn't get away no, with that. No, I mean he would probably still hook up a delay pedal to an acoustic guitar, right. and, you know. But uh, you know, I mean, uh, the guy can play. I'm I'm trying not to be as much of a dick as I used to be about the edge, but I still feel like he's kind of a lazy guitar player. I I understand what you mean by that. He can play, and he can you know, he can. He's making some great sounds, and he made some very new and different sounds at the time. Yeah. But if you if you deconstruct what he's playing versus what's coming out of the amp, it's yeah. it's very minimal. And and maybe we should respect him for being a minimalist. Mm. And just using pedals to like, you know, echo this this chorus of Irish sadness. <laughs> I'm doing him a lot of service by saying that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, but more to that point is, yeah, uh, do a lot with a minimum amount of something. Right. But he manages to do a lot with a minimum amount of effort. Yes. As opposed to actual composition i mean in in later songs he gets away from that delay shit and he's just straight up playing punk rock shit yeah and it's good which is where the guy the guy can play i'm not uh, just uh, you know why am i involved i have no idea i was an asshole (laughs) i was an asshole like i there was a point when i was like you know like 12 or 13 i was like if you had a keyboard player in your band you sucked yeah (laughs) like i was that i was that hardcore about it and that's just dumb yeah. You know, right. But anyway, let's listen to the fucking shitty edge. Somehow, whoever thought fascism would work in Italy. Right. <laughs> the most passionate, emotional, yeah. artistic country 
in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you look at German fascism and you're like, yeah, I, they, you know, right, they rocked that shit for a while. Right. You look at Italian fascism and I'm like, what were you thinking? It was like, it was like, oh, I'm go- I'm gonna dress in drag. It's like, nah, but you don't really like that, and we know that. Or, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna portray a character that I have no business portraying. <laughs> I'm gonna display this this toughness that it's like that's you're not really like that. Italian fascism. It's like two words that shouldn't even belong in the same paragraph, but there was someone who managed to put it together. Anyway, so Mussolini. One, one of my primary concerns about this song is how many people, again, friends, contemporaries, uh, married, in relationships, who have used this song or quoted this song. At their wedding. At their wedding, yes, yes. And if you listen to the lyrics, this is not about two people coming together Two people loving each other. This is about, you know what? I think I tried really hard. We tried really hard. And it was doomed from the start. Right. Yeah. So why would this be your wedding song? Because they're not really listening. I... It it also falls under the irresponsible lyric writing genre. Where it, it, it's it's putting out this thing that's not really healthy, but you cling to on some emotional level. Yeah. Like, why? This is a song about an unhealthy relationship. Yes. And the fact that people... It's, it's got codependency written all uh, over it. I, I can't sh- live with or without yeah, somebody. Sh- somebody texts you that, you're like, oh my god, break up. Yeah. Ghost. I should have <laughs> <laughs> quit you a long time ago. I should have quit you longer. Like, if I... Like, I put a ring on it. What the fuck was I thinking? (laughs) I'm not in the trenches facing no man's land when it comes to this song. Right. I'm in the third line of defense watching my comrades get slaughtered by this song. I gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm watching them march beyond the wire as soon as the artillery barrage is lifted and get cut mowed down by machine gun fire. Right, and you're back there going, idiot, retreat! Like, no, no. (laughs) This is a not winnable war. Yes. (laughs) This is Vietnam. This This song is Vietnam. This is an unhealthy relationship that got made into a song that when it first came out, I was like, yeah, but I was also 10. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't know. As You're not you, really listening to the lyrics right. and, and, and deconstructing them. And it's so dramatic yeah. there now. And Bono, to give him credit. Like, we have to yell now yeah. over him. Bono leans into this song. Oh, yeah. Vocally. And it's like, and and his his vocals make you forget that this song is about some, like, a toxic, toxic existence in a relationship that should not, should not exist. I don't know. I think, I think a lot of people realized how dark this was, and that's why it resonated. Honestly. 
but do you think this is the type of song where it's just like, yeah, I would chop this up in lines and snort it and hate myself for doing it because I know it's not good for me, but uh, you know what? It's here right now. Ugh. It just keeps going. It's a nice sound, though. Like, it's it, a good production. Yeah. It's pleasant. It is. You take the lyrics out. I'm not out. angry right now. Yeah. You take but the yeah. lyrics out, and right. this song musically is like... No, but the lyrics add to that. It's, a, it's a juxtaposition. Yeah. So it is a good song. But yeah, I yeah. can see how this would become a frequency hate, and... Paul David Hewson. I did not yet. That's his real name. That, that is his real name. And I found out a few years ago that he doesn't wear sunglasses indoors because he's a douche. He actually wears it because he has cataracts. He got diagnosed with cataract issues. Yeah, he's got some sort of at, eye at issue, young age. which I think is bullshit. Uh, if, it, if it is true, okay, I get it. I understand. I mean, you know, we all have pertaining health issues in one way or another. But he also chooses the most stylish way to deal well, with that, if got, it is true. He's got money. Next up, uh, we're going to... Uh, you used to hate this song. Now yes, you kind of like it. Yeah. Is that right? I used to hate the song, and now I don't just like it. I think I love it. Motley and- Crue, Girls, 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 from the album Girls, 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 from 1987. Written by, you know, the shitheads. <laughs> all of them. They, they all wrote this, which is weird. I thought it was like a... A cover of a 50s song, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of like that. So let, let's hear it. When this song first came out, I didn't like it. Ugh. It's it's shit hair metal. That's why. That's what it is. Yeah. And at the time, I was into early like, punk there's rock. There's such a thing as good Motley Crue. Yeah. But what I love about it now is, okay, having done a lot in my life to to understand misogyny yeah we all gotta have a vice we all gotta have a guilty you know sh- you know junk food and this song is pretty damn misogynistic but at the same time well, it's hair metal though it's par for the course and I did not like hair metal at the time but I got to know this song mostly because once I came of age and me and my high school friends used to frequent some of the uh, some of the strip clubs in the area. Oh, this would be on. This was this was the song. Yeah. Like every time I hear the song, I'm just waiting for the DJ to announce the next girl coming right. to the stage. And here we have Brandy. <laughs> You're I'm still sm- enjoying this. I have a shit-eating grin on my face right now. Wow. And at the time this came out, I'm like, this represents so much against the music I'm listening to now. Yes. And, and now I'm like... Correct. Uh, you know what? Ah, oh, goddamn. How can you not just be like, woo! You know, there's no Yeah, surpri- you don't expect high art yeah. from Motley Crue. Yeah, right. But <laughs> those first two albums are fantastic. Yeah. There's there's nothing Especially the first one. Too Fast for Love. Oh. That's so good. It stands the test of time. But this song is just junk food. 
But you know what? Yes, correct. Who, does, who doesn't fucking dive into a sleeve of Pringles once in a while and be like, that right. was disgusting, but I feel happy that I did it. Who doesn't walk into Burger King and give me a Whopper with all the garbage? I've done it. Give me the biggest Mac you got. Yeah. And I have these kind of songs, but it's not this band. Right. For me, it's like rat, round and round. But that's, I, I can cite several examples <laughs> of why that is better than this song. Right. Warren Martini was a fucking fantastic guitar player. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Perry. Oh, um. Uh, oh. Richard Perry? No, I don't know. No. Ricky Perry? From, from, from uh, oh, um. From, from Rat. Yeah. Shit. He was a great singer. Yeah. He was a great singer. And then, what? They drive off into the sunset on their hogs. Uh, yeah, oh, I God. hate the fact that I love that song now. <laughs> but I accept it. But that's, that's, that's the point of that song. Yeah. Okay, so now this is something that you used to hate, and now you kind of like. We're looking at Limp Biscuit. Well, this, this is actually, this is more of the, I believe, the guilty this pleasure. This is the guilty pleasure. This is the guilty pleasure. Because okay. girls, 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 I used to hate, but I kind of like hate the fact that I like it. Yes. But okay. I like so it. this is the guilty pleasure. This is the uh, guilty Limp Biscuit Rollin' parentheses air raid vehicle Ugh. from the album Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. Really? Mm-hmm. Really. To very from two thousand. Yeah. I see. It was written by Sam Rivers, the uh, jazz saxophone player. So it's got to be, uh, it's got to be up there. I got to say, I listened to this the other night and I was like, I don't hate this. Ugh. I don't. Uh, well, I don't hate it either and I've never hated it. But what I know about that era, so we're talking the late 90s. Yeah. Okay. And, and we're talking Fred Durst. We're talking Fred Durst. Fucking asshole. I know. But there is. You love to hate him. Yeah. And that, that's powerful in and of itself. Yeah. Like, like to, 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 for people to actively hate you, you have to be in the spotlight. And he did that successfully. He, I will give him that. He did it so badly and so perfectly. and With no shame. And Limp Bizkit was one of those bands, okay, they tried to cross, you know, post-grunge with a little bit of hip-hop. And metal and punk. Yeah. yeah. But they were still a band from Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> Right. And and if only you, the good thing to come out of Florida was Burt Reynolds. If you know anything about Florida besides the coasts. Right. Inland Florida. And I have Red neck as fuck. I have family who moved down there <laughs> and went from being New Yorkers to white trash. Yeah. Like and shooting to the other end of the spectrum. Right. There is something like every episode of Cops could have been filmed somewhere in a trailer park in Florida. I think most of them are. Probably, yeah. Everyone who ever hid under a kiddie pool trying to hide from the police helicopter light. Bad boys. What you yeah. gonna do? Jackson, that whole Jacksonville, Gainesville vein right there. And they are very Florida. And what I loved and hated about them was they came out as douchey and didn't try to change your opinion about that. But there was something about right. it. There, there's there's got to be some respect for at least they owned it. They owned it. Yeah. They owned it. They knew they weren't long for this world. Right. And did everything <laughs> they could to 
live up to the status that they were designated at. And and it's not just Roland. There is so many. Yeah. Go on. There is so many songs, compositions, arrangements that they did that I will still listen to today. But I'll, I'll, I'll look over my shoulder to make sure no one else is in the room. <laughs> yeah. And my my girlfriend, who I love very much, when we talked about music that we liked, music we grew up with, we found the common bonds. We found the things where we're like, all right, we're, we're, we, don't, we don't agree, but we appreciate. Right. But there's always you that. You can respect. Yeah. Uh, to to uh, agree to disagree. Yeah, I like. Okay, I see what you saw in that band. I don't agree, but it's like you know, like uh, there's something maybe I found in the band too. But there's always that one thing where you were. It was a smooth ride, and then you just decide to make a right turn off the cliff. Right. And when I was just like, okay, I have to admit, like I literally had to admit to her in the same tone of voice you would admit to someone that you cheated on or did wrong to. Like, yes. There's something about my past I need to tell you, <laughs> and I know it's wrong, right. but I don't. I honestly, I I want to hear your opinion. But right. I don't really care about it. Right. And from the get go, when Limp Biscuit came out. I was into them, and I still, in a, in a sense, am am into them. Not proud. Understand why most people would be like, "Ew!" Like, right. th- this is something in, you wouldn't bring up in conversation with someone who you wanted to make an ally or right. a partner in some fashion. Because we were just talking about Schoenberg's Atoma uh, Symphonies. Right. You're not going to bring up Limp Bizkit. No. 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 Yeah. And if I did... We all have those. That's why it's fun. Yeah. And if I did and they judged me harshly, I did that to myself. I don't blame them for it. Right. And the entire Limp Bizkit catalog, I went to go see them in concert. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I went to go see them at... Wow. We're talking 1990, 2000. (laughs) I'm out of college. I'm freelancing professionally so i'm like i'm living that lifestyle where i'm like all right i haven't found direction in life but i'm 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 i'm, but I'm gonna listen to limp biscuit i'm gonna listen to limp biscuit <laughs> i'm gonna see what they have to tell me yeah, i'm gonna seek direction in this band <laughs> <laughs> again i don't i'm 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 not defending this no. As in, like, you know, you don't like Limp Bizkit? Fuck you, you that, don't understand that, how good they that's are. That's what this category is yeah. all about. You don't have to defend yourself. Yeah. You love it because you love it. Let's yeah. hear <sighs> Layers. Layers. They tried. They tried. It's a big sound. It is. It's not bad. It gets your attention. And it... <laughs> it's it's the Florida douchey version of the Beastie Boys. <laughs> but this kicks ass right here. Yeah. How could you not just Are they talking about rolling on ecstasy? Just rolling on whatever you choose to roll on. This could be ecstasy, some form of THC. It's, it's pure testosterone, though. Yeah, absolutely. It has no sensitivity. And not like Slayer. Right. 
It's different. Right. No it's, one, it's aggressively testosterone. It is. To a fault. No one ever yeah. no one ever got date raped to Slayer. Well, maybe. But this? Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. just yes. before the roofie kicked in, this was the last thing you heard. <laughs> not myself personally, not anyone I know personally, but it's like... Uh, yeah, you just know. There is a reason why this band closed out Woodstock 99 and it ended in a riot. Right. This burned down post-grunge, for better or for worse. Right. Pantera didn't do that. Right. Limp Biscuit did that. Pantera? And Pantera's more aggressive and darker. Yeah. But Pantera respects... Respects... Its audience respects what's its around us. I think so. Yeah. They did, yeah. This is a fraternity. You're either in or you're out. Yep. What do you want to do, bro? This is, yeah. This yeah. is 18 years old. I'm fucking that yeah. chick. Right. Tonight. Whether, whether she, she likes whether it or she, not. <laughs> oh, God. It's not a sniper rifle. It's a machine gun with a with a belt feed to it. Right. That just... A shotgun with a belt feed. Yeah. Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. Indiscriminate. Doesn't give a shit. But I don't hate it. I know. It's so hard to hate it's this. It's good. As a, as, a, as a man, yeah. it's hard to hate this. It's good. But... Uh, it speaks to my nutsack. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it speaks to the worst form of me. I see the sparkling little diamond on your hand. It's plain to see that you already got a man. I can tell you're not about to fall for any of my life. I see the So many titties flashed that night. Yeah. For better or for worse. Right. And, and they're not the girls that you're going to marry. No. But they're there. And you can probably get some. Yeah. Yeah. And I myself personally did not get some that night. Um, no. Good. Uh, yeah. Because you might have gotten something more. I guess, yeah. A little baggage on there. A little, little, little chlamydia. A little bit. A little syphilis. A little gonorrhea. This concert. If you're lucky. This concert. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. concert did not result in a, uh, in a free clinic visit. <laughs> But I went there because I love this band, <laughs> right? And I love this song, and okay. I was guilty as charged. Fair enough. And and if and again, if I'm judged for it, I accept it. It comes with the territory. Well, you're not using your real name, so mm. that's not really a risk, there. But for what it's worth, this is still a guilty pleasure. Twenty years on, almost it's, twenty years I, on. I gotta say, yeah, it's a good sound. Yeah, it makes you want to. And every Limp Biscuit song. Um, they, they, I hate them on principle. They, they, but that's not a bad song. They cookie cuttered this sound because right. every other song on this album sounds like that. Right. And yes, it gets repetitive, and yes, it's but it's like God, I'm, 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 I'm into this. Right. 
and I know it's like that Cypress Hill album uh, Black Sunday yes all the songs kind of sound the same but it kicks ass start to finish it still kicks ass start yeah. to finish yeah. Who cares? And and but again, I like it for me. I'm not going to share and be like, oh, you guys ever hear Limp Biscuit? No, no, no. That this is the look over your shoulder. Okay, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna take this in. <laughs> right. It's a it's like a drug. <laughs> it's like a drug habit that you don't want to let anyone know about. You're, it's just like, all right, no one's around here. Rolling. Yeah, except uh, you know you can't get arrested for listening to Rolling. But yet. you should. You should. You should. You should. It ought to be a crime. Yeah. That would make it more appealing. I might be the only person like, who's... Like, oh, it's a crime to listen to this. I want to hear it. Yeah. I might be the only person who really loves this song 20 years on who has who doesn't have any rape in their past. <laughs> I, I don't have any dark secrets. I've never forced a woman or a female into anything yeah. that was... Whether she was passed out or against her against her wishes. I would like to think that... And I like Limp Bizkit, so how does that work? I would like to think that no one who's invited to the studio has done that. I would hope that. Yeah. I, I, I don't I, think I know any people who've raped anybody. I, I've, I've, I've possibly been around the potential for it, but I've never... I, no one I know has, has been that problem. Yeah. And, and that, that's pretty unique, especially, you know being this old and having been through a lot of adventures and, and growing up in new york city absolutely yeah. yeah yeah there's a lot of fucked up dudes out there either i was unconscious to it or i ignored it one way or another right. i think i associated with the right people but right. this is this is something where it's like now nah, this is this is for me if you don't like it that's fine yeah mm. exactly uh which brings us to the palate cleanser the palate cleanser you chose a good one man Stooges, Search and Destroy, off Raw Power. It's the first track, which is interesting because I kind of feel like they blew their load on the first. It's the best song on that album, isn't it? It, it is the best song on that album. But it's one of those handful of albums I would say I've heard in my life that is, to me, and there's some people who may not share this opinion, but to me it's a perfect album. Lyrically, musically, it's 33, 34 minutes of yep. there's not a bum note, a bad lyric, or a bad emotion in it. No. And yeah, they blow their load early, but it's because, and this goes back to having grown up in a theatrical family. This goes back to the Shakespearean tradition. Every Shakespeare, every first act, first scene of every Shakespeare, because this, these were plays that were played in front of nobility, but mm. also in front of everyday people, right? rowdy audiences. How do you get them to pay attention, stop talking among themselves and stopping being disruptive and pay attention to what's going on stage? You make a big noise right off the bat. Exactly. You yep. grab them by the neck and you say, look at that. Listen to that. Yeah. This is what's going on. There's a critical scene. There's a high emotion. There's anger. There's passion. There's confusion going on. Right. And this, and this song on this album, yeah, they could have waited until the fourth or fifth track that sweet spot to put this in. Uh, I would have put it on uh, the start of side B if okay. it were me. But but they just grabbed you by the neck and threw you in immediately yeah. Yeah. and said, this is the deep end of the pool. You're either going to swim or you're going to drown. And you know about the production, like uh, David Bowie was involved in this. Yes. And uh, he mixed it. And Iggy Pop heard it and he said, nope, not right. And then he remixed it with everything in the red. So everything is distorted. The vocals, the guitars, the bass, the drums. Everything's on 11 and compressed as fuck. So it's just 
it's the loudest, most obnoxious song <laughs> on earth, maybe. It you is. Know? And it also brings back memories of like early, you know, in my 20s, road tripping with, with friends, um, being, you know, be, being a driver early on, being the one who's responsible to get people home, but also to get people there. Right. Being the pilot of an adventure. Maybe not the navigator, <laughs> right. but being the pilot. And this album, this song and this album was always part of that, what's your road trip mix? Mm-hmm, this, is, mm-hmm. this is before I had an iPod. This it's was, a good one, yeah. It's a good road music album. This yeah. is, you, you got a CD changer in the car or you have one CD player. This you put the in, but you don't put this in at the start. This, you don't put this in no. when all your peeps are in the car. This is what you put in and start the minute you hit open road. Yeah. Because you're, you're, about, to, you're about to step on that gas. Yeah. And and you're not fighting your way through traffic. You're not looking for the toll booth, the exit. No, you just hit your first interstate. You just hit your first section of road that will push you miles, hundreds of miles in the next direction. I like the mix is all wrong. Yeah. Shit is too loud, but it doesn't matter. It, it's it's it doesn't it's over, matter. It's overmodulated, all of it. Yeah. It's just you're flooring the gas. You're yeah. flooring the gas, and you're going down a narrow highway, and you have no brakes. Yep. Much like Black Sabbath. A band from a tough, dirty, industrial town. Yep. Ugh. That song still, again, yeah. Oh, it's so good. There's songs that oversaturate you and you learn to hate them. Creep by Radiohead. This song, I swear to God, I don't care how many hundred times I've heard of it. It it still stomps on me. It's that one... Yeah. it's It's that one, like... It's the feel. Ah, it is. It's the feel. It's the feel, it's the attitude, and the fact that he remixed it with everything in the red makes it like punk and metal as hell before punk and metal even existed. Yeah, and he found a way to draw that out over a four or five minute track. Yeah. Yeah. And you were there listening to every bit of of the same. Yeah, because it was different, and it it was raw... I mean, yeah, the Stooges, man, still one of my favorite punk bands. So when you brought this one in as a palate cleanser, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to eradicate. Like, I'm not thinking about, I don't hear any other hooks that we heard tonight. I'm just hearing fucking Iggy Pop. There's so much about this song, lyrically and musically. First of all, the title, Search and Destroy. Yeah. Now, this, this album came out in 1973. Yep. The Stooges had broken up and gotten back together to make That's this right. album. Yeah. and. Search and destroy, back at the start of the Vietnam War, the initial yeah. mission of U.S. forces in Vietnam was to search for the enemy and destroy them. Right. There was no front line. You went out into the, into the underbrush. You searched and destroyed. And what that involved was using your foot soldiers to make contact with the enemy and then pulling back and letting airstrike and artillery come in right. and just wipe the slate clean. It's not a sexy form of combat. No. It literally is. It's like fishing with a shotgun. 
But but this is very Vietnam. It is. It makes solar radiation in the dead of night, love in the middle of a firefight. I mean, it's he's 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 definitely tapping into that. He's he's tapping into that, and yeah. and and being a you know a kid from Detroit, again a tough, dirty industrial town, yeah. that probably you know you either ended up working in an auto factory or you went into the army because you know right you didn't get a draft deferment right you weren't going to college, right and. It's just that, like, but combined with a relentless sound. And the, one, of, one of the things that blew my mind, it totally made sense. A couple of years ago, I saw an interview with uh, um, James Williamson, their second guitarist, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who, even though he wasn't on this album when it toured, he wrote, the, uh, wrote a lot of the music. He played, uh, did right. a lot of the studio sessions for this album. And this riff, which Ron Ashton ended up playing live that but that he wrote james williamson wrote and i might i might be getting this wrong but this this is what i heard the town he he was from the greater detroit area but he i forgot what town he was from but um he he grew up um and in his household there was a lot of polka music played Mm -hmm. which is the same beat as punk right and he wrote this the original risk it's somewhere on youtube he wrote the original risk of this as as a to as a polka as polka, yeah. as polka. and he just uh, you know he just he played it out he played it in parts played it in parts and then put it all together and it ended up being this this the this guitar riff the bridge everything right and it just it never it never lets you up. It pins you down and doesn't let you up. Yes, it's relentless. It is absolutely relentless. In a good way. In a good way. Yeah. And the overmodulation of it all is just like, it, it's perfectly. I've heard the remix, I've heard the, the Bowie ver- mix of this. And it's good, but it's like, it's no. like mm, you know, it's, it's a mid, it's mid-range. It's not right. Yeah. This, th- this is the version that Iggy Pop wanted people to hear. Yeah. It's right. And it's it, everything is in the red. The yeah. drums are fucking distorted. Yeah, you know, it's so good. And it it's just, it's the first track on the album. Yeah. And yeah, they do blow. It's their, like here, here's a kick in the face. Now listen to the rest of this yeah. shit. Yeah. We blew our load, but we're gonna stay hard for the next half hour. It it demands your attention. It yeah, absolutely. This song yeah. this song leaves you in a cloud of dust when it's done, and you're just like Ugh. yeah. You know, I feel I, much better though having heard it. I, you know, and maybe that's why the palate cleanser is uh, at the very end. It's a good way to end, I think, because I didn't want people to be pissed off at the end of the interview. Well, we we've been through a lot. How do you feel? I Are fe- you okay? I feel good. Yeah. I feel like I I I made my choices. You did. You made good choices. I I committed to them. Yeah. But. At the same time, it's like, okay, I didn't just pick these out of a cloud. There, there's a reason, no, and there's no. a story behind each of these. Yeah, you did, you did some homework. And, but at the same time, I didn't want to be like, all right, listen to all these songs again and again to repeat that. It's like, no, you know, listen to them and then give it some time. Yeah. Don't listen to them the day before so that you can relive them right. the first time every time. Yeah, that's your choice. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's a good one. I, I'm, I'm also the person who, when I know I'm going to a show for two weeks prior to the show, I don't listen to that band. So that Oh, no. Yeah, no, that's death. Right. No, don't. That's going to ruin your expectations. 
that's not good. But I'm also the person who wears the band's T-shirt to the show. You do do that. I, I do do that. And then I showed up, and I made fun of you for doing that. And then by the end of the night, I was that guy. <laughs> I didn't want to lose it. The last time I put it in my back pocket, I'm like, ah, if I just wear it, I'm not going to lose it. I still have it. And, and you know what? I have been criticized for that, for being that person. But somebody has to do that. There, somebody has to do that. I guess. And, and I'm a dick for making fun of you for it. But I understand the direction you were coming from because... Yeah. It's not something I would ever do. Right. But why am I going to impose my opinion on you? That's not fair. That's I'm... a dick move. It's a dick move. Perhaps. But I was very high. <laughs> Thank you. Johnny Carson. Thank you. Thank you.